Welcome to the Gospel for Life. I know you're hearing a different voice at the beginning. Normally you hear Josh Bales from the well, um, but he is absent today. We, Jonathan and I, are going to buy him a planner. He double booked. So instead, <laughs> it's Jonathan Van Hoogen from Dayspring Reformed with me. I'm Russ Herman from Cloverdale, so we're the normal voices that you'll hear. But we do have two, and I think Josh would want me to say very special guests in the very studio special. today. TBD. Yeah. So Vinny Henke from Valley Life Community Church, welcome. Do you want to just tell us a little bit about yourself and your church as we begin? Yeah, thanks, Russ. I've been uh, in pastoral ministry for about a decade and a half. Uh, started way too early, and God has been gracious enough to keep me there. Uh, moved here to Meridian in 2019 to help uh, Valley Life Community Church kind of replant after the planting pastor retired after 20 years of faithful ministry. And then also we have Alan Burrow here from King Congregation. Alan, you have been on before, but it's been a little while. You normally have conflicts when we record. You can just remind our listeners who you are and about your church. Yeah, so I was an attorney for 25 years and retired from that uh, and had the privilege of being able to go into the ministry. And so uh, our church is in Meridian, and I work with these guys putting on a conference every year, and so I know them very well, and it's a privilege to be on with them. So if you've been listening, thank you. You show such great patience and endurance. We have been working through questions dealing with apologetics and evangelism, and today we're beginning with a question that is, if a person is happy with their life, why do they need Jesus? And then the follow-up to that is, if a person truly believes they don't need God, how should we engage with them? Well, I think... The need for God is objective. It's a fact, whether somebody feels it or not. In fact, you could argue that since the fall, the greatest unfelt need in the world is the need to be reconciled to the living God and have a proper relationship with him. Because the fact remains, whether they feel it or not, whether they're satisfied with their life or not, they need the relationship that they were created for and that Christ came to restore us to. And that, that's just an objective fact. Oftentimes people don't understand what they need. Uh, in Ecclesiastes we read that God has put eternity in our hearts, and people are trying to do those things which will satisfy them and uh, you know, extend maybe their life or do other things. You know, there, is, there is that already in there. Um, Augustine said, Augustine said, uh, our hearts are restless until they find their rest in God. So there's a certain restlessness that people may feel, uh, even that they can't put their finger on. Yeah, I think we face this particular question more often based on our context. I mean, mm -hmm. Meridian, Idaho is a, is a pretty special place, particularly for me. When I moved here from Victorville, California, one of the things my wife and I observed is you can look around and some of the uh, indicators of a sinful and broken world are absent to the naked eye. Mm -hmm. I mean, economically, we're booming. Socially, we have a very low crime rate. Socially, we have very low homelessness. Some of the, the ills of a broken, sinful world are out. Life is good here, uh, economically, socially. And so for people seeking happiness, mm -hmm. this is a pretty happy place to live in. And so mm -hmm. those, those effects of sin and brokenness aren't apparent to the naked eye. So we've got to dig a little deeper. I think also the premise of the question reduces God to a commodity that makes my life happy. Mm -hmm. You remember the old Trivial Pursuit game where you got to answer the right trivia question to fill in your pie. If God is just a part of our trivial pursuit and my life is happy without him, then certainly I don't need him. But that's a reduction of who God is. God is not a commodity that mm -hmm. makes us happy. He's a just, righteous, holy God 
who will hold us to account at the end of our life. So Jonathan quoted from Ecclesiastes earlier, and, and the book of Ecclesiastes is filled with a lot of, I would say, Solomon filling his life with things that can't truly satisfy. Um, and we encounter those people every day. We encounter people that, uh, you've heard me say on the on the show, Extreme had a song decades ago called Wholehearted. And one of the lines from the song is, there's a hole in my heart that can only be filled with you. And it's, it's a love song, but I think it, it's actually putting its finger on a spiritual truth. There, God has placed eternity in your heart, and, mm-hmm. and there is a hole, if you will, in all of our hearts that only God can satisfy or only God can fill. So what we're, we're surrounded by people that are trying to satisfy their lives with all of these other things. How do we as Christians engage with them in a way that helps them, as Vinny was talking about, peel some of that away and help reveal their need? I think one of the ways that you can do that is to show them what kind of idols that they do have in their life, whether it's you know their satisfaction with work, try, laboring for that, uh, laboring for their achievement, putting all their eggs in the one basket with regard to their children, uh, just a number of different things. We ha- we all have uh, what somebody said was, if only idols. If only I have this, then I will be satisfied. I will, you know I, I will have achieved what I my purpose. And so sometimes it just um, is a matter of showing them that if if only. Ultimately, this is something that only God can do. Um, because, you know, the disciples were, you know, there was a, that occasion when the, the rich young man came and wanted to know what he could do to obtain eternal life. And uh, he was told uh, to keep the commandments. And he, he said, oh, he'd done all of those. You know, he was, he was good on this. And uh, so then the Lord tells him to sell what he has and, and, and follow him. And he goes away sad. And, uh, you know, the, in the end, Jesus says to his disciples, truly, I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter into the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. And when his disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished. Who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. And I think that um, ultimately, we have to keep coming back to this. Salvation is, a, is the work of God. And, you know, the only thing we are offering to him is our sin. And he's offering salvation to us and eternal life. And, and so um, helping people to see where their idol is, you know, and will make them sad. Yeah. I think the rich young ruler is a great example of, of, a, of someone who's wrestling with the dissatisfaction that their idols presented. He's got everything. He's got the wealth and the success and the, and the, the visible obedience of a happy life, but still longs for eternity. I think, showing, yeah. like you mentioned, yeah. showing them the futility of the idols that they're worshiping and how ultimately they don't lead to satisfaction, but dissatisfaction because mm-hmm. there's never enough. Yeah. And I think... Um like sometimes, you know, it depends on on the case. Sometimes you in the conversation, whoever you're talking about, you learn something about them personally, and you see 
you know, they have a God, whether they know it or not, and you, and you, you can work with that because you know something personally about them. But even if you don't, like I think of Paul in Acts 17 when he's in Athens, you know, he's asked to speak to the philosophers. Of, he doesn't know any of these people. He's just got an audience. He's just got to go cold. And probably as a whole, if there was any, uh, any self-satisfied bunch, it would be the famed Greek philosophers of Athens. And that's who he's talking to. But what he basically tells them is that regardless of how they feel about their life, uh, they are missing the relationship with the living God that they were created for and that, that Christ was sent to restore. And he, he just began presenting the truth to them, of course, prayerfully, um, you know, asking for God to work. And then he's seeing afterwards who, who's got more questions, who's responding in some yeah. way, who wants to know more. Yeah, that's a great point. We use uh, a stoplight as an illustration to consider who we're talking to. So red lights are folks that you don't want to waste your breath on. They're resistance, maybe even aggressively toward the gospel. Yellow lights are people who might have concerns or more questions, but the, they're slow to come to the knowledge of Christ. And then there are folks who are green lights. They're just go. They're they're curious. They're inquisitive. They want to know more about you, more about Jesus. I think uh, like some examples real quick, um, we get the woman at the well who's a green light for Jesus, right? She, she goes and she becomes an evangelist on the spot. The rich young ruler is a great example of a yellow light. He's got some concerns and leaves actually sad from the conversation. And then there's like uh, Herod Antipas who Jesus doesn't even waste his breath on uh, during his trial. He has a bunch of questions for Jesus, but he knows that his heart is cold and resistant. So just to switch the parameters of the question just slightly, what do you do with those that have a veneer of Christianity, mm. but really their satisfaction is in, in other things, but they want Christianity as kind of an add-on. Um, you can look at their life and say, I, I don't think there's any substance to that, um, but it, it ticks a box that at least in their mind is necessary um, for the life that they, they deem they want to live, but really it's, it's, it's quite apparent that it, it's just that. Um, an, an add-on, but not a reality. So how do, what's a way to interact with those that they, they haven't rejected Christianity, and, and quite frankly, they would probably consider themselves a Christian, though that more than likely they're not. Well, hopefully they're in church, and this is one of the, this is one of the jobs of the proclamation of the, of the gospel, because as you do that, without even putting your finger on their life, God is putting a finger on their life and showing them where their satisfaction is, where their hope is, what you know, what posing they're doing. So I think that you know a good exposition of the word is going to bring that out. For instance, we're we're in Judges this week, and and Judges is about this guy Micah. You know, in Judges uh, seventeen, he he is the epitome of somebody who uh, thinks he's right with God, and he's doing all these things, but he's he's not a I heard somebody say he's not an atheist, he's an atheist, he's an antheist. He's adding everything else to what to reality. Yeah, I think for me it's it's turning the heat up, turning the pressure up a little bit. Um the Christian life is a life of sacrifice and the the comfortable Christian veneer life is not one of sacrifice. And so I think that that's a place where, to use the old turn of phrase, in, in a good exposition of the word, you are comforting the afflicted and you are afflicting the comfortable. Yeah, I love that. And so for those who have that veneer of Christianity is what what afflictions, what convictions can we bring in the life of community within the church 
that requires them to get out of that comfort zone because that's where the rub meets. Mm -hmm. You know, I've got enough time for 90 minutes on Sunday, depending on the quality of the word and worship. Do I have that extra hour, that extra time to make a sacrificial commitment where my life has to reflect a commitment to something greater than myself? So for me, it's turning up the heat on that individual with a Christian veneer. It, is it too strong to say that that this is more and more the case of quote unquote Christianity in America? That Christianity is just an add-on, is the veneer that it lacks the true substance? Um, that maybe well, it did. Yeah, it's certainly true that we've become a therapeutic, you know, uh, culture where. Largely, people don't really think in terms of a real objective truth. It's like what works for me, what helps me feel about myself the way I want to feel. And if if it helps me feel that way, then it's true for me. It may not be true for you. You know, people more and more are that way. And that definitely affects uh, people in the church as well, you know, is, is that kind of a therapeutic. But, you know, I just think we have to keep reminding it if we go back to to the early christians you know they didn't they didn't die in the arena because jesus had brought them a new religious experience they died in the arena because he was born of a virgin died in atoning death and was raised from the dead it was the fact it was the truth of it that they died for not you know because at that moment the you know the <laughs> It's not. It doesn't feel very therapeutic at that moment in the arena. No, it's actually. not very comfortable to be a Christian with a lion facing you, right? Yeah, or, yeah. I I think uh, as we think about cult- where we're at culturally in a moment too in history, the more it costs us to be a Christian, we're at a unique point where we're going to experience a purification of the church, where it's not going to be comfortable to be a Christian much longer. You have been listening to the Gospel for Life. I did want to just end by doing a quick little plug for the Reformation Boise Conference. It's coming up on October 21st and 22nd. Um, We don't want it to sneak up on you. So if you haven't registered, go to ReformationBoise.com and you can find out all the information there. We are talking about the church. It's Dr. Derek Thomas and Dr. Joel Beakey. And we will see you next time.